0: Listening to Shot Callers with Kyle Branding and Joe McCucci, part of the 48 Minutes Podcast Network.
1: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to a special edition of 48 Minutes Hoop Cinema. Today we are uh, doing the untold Malice at the Palace. It just got released on Netflix on August 10th. Joining me, I have uh, my co host, as always, Joe McCucci. What's up, Kyle? And I have our good friend, Steve Hendrickson. What's up? Uh, so we just all got done watching it in a Netflix watch party. Um, it, it's a pretty quick watch, only in an hour and eight minutes. Um, but I do want to talk about first kind of what we were expecting um, going into this. I, I'm the – I grew up in Detroit. I'm a Pistons fan, um, uh, both Joe and Steve are residing in Indy. So, um really both sides of the coin um represented here. So, guys, what were we expecting going into the stock?
0: Um for me personally, I definitely was expecting it to be a bit of a PR piece for the players. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I just that's the best way I could. it just the players finally getting an opportunity to shed some light on their side and we'll get a little deeper into it um but that's definitely what kind of this ended up being i feel like
1: <laughs> yeah you were expecting a pr piece yeah that's that's not too far off St- yeah. steve what were you expecting honestly i didn't know what to expect um i kind of went
2: into it just just like maybe hoping for like a hist like a history around it like Okay. Like, what's the what's the rise? What's the, the climax? What's the fall, right? Yeah. Like, I wanted to hear sides from the Pistons. I wanted to hear sides from the Pacers. Like, I figured they would throw a fan comment in here or there. Like, maybe a ref, maybe a caster. Like, some NBA people. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Just kind of like a historical that, snapshot of the event.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like, we've all watched the 30 for 30, we've all watched the last dance. Like I kind of figured it'd be like one of those, like where you get both sides of the coin, you get a very like unbiased tale of the story that happened. Yeah. This wasn't really that, but it's okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, when I first heard about it, I was super excited just because this is a huge part of, um, my favorite sports teams history. Um, even if it is kind of a blemish on their history, it's it's a really big part of their history. Same with, same with the Pacers, obviously. And so I was really excited that that this story was um, was getting a spotlight, especially on Netflix. Um, but then I kind of saw like the trailer for it, and who was really um, the main people interviewing for it, and and I, I definitely definitely thought it was going to be some Indiana Pacers propaganda, uh, which I guess would would lead me into to the first question do you guys feel like it was equally represented
0: i personally don't okay um my initial takeaway that i said pretty much right after we finished watching is that i didn't like how ben wallace was the only pistons player interviewed um i understand that really the main players interviewed for this piece are jermaine o'neal Ron Artest slash Metal World Peace, uh, Stephen Jackson, Ben Wallace, so the four players that got suspended from the events. Makes sense. And Reggie Miller. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And also, for some reason, I guess we're talking about league representation, Tim Donaghy's there because nothing screams, hey, who do we bring in for a controversial NBA piece? Like the ref that got busted for gambling. Yeah. <laughs> Made total sense. Um, but uh, that aside, I, I really – would have liked some more Pistons representation outside of Pistons fans.
1: Yeah, you're not going to hear me argue with that, Steve. Uh, did you think that it was it was pretty evenly representative, for, especially for someone that was looking for more of a historical snapshot of it? Um, do you feel like you got kind of the historical part of it, or do you feel like you got more of one side uh, specifically? Do you think you got the Pacers side of it? I, I think I'm I'm on the same
2: page as Joe. I think it, it was very much a like. It was very much a, a Pacers propaganda piece. It was very much like we were wronged for the suspensions that we received. Like it was cool to hear Ben Wallace, you know, um, obviously like the one piston suspended from the whole altercation, but yeah, I mean I I wish I wish there would have been more representation from the from the Detroit team, not just the Palace of Auburn Hills staff
1: yeah which is surprising because at the time they are the the world champs like mm-hmm. at the time of this fight. Um, yeah. they are by all means a list you know in, in the basketball world, right. they are um, as big as it gets and so um, it's it's very interesting to me that that it, there's not more representation from the Detroit side, of course. Um, I, I say from a very biased point of view. Um, I thought, you know, 25 minutes in, um, they have they haven't even got to the malice at the palace yet. 25 yeah. minutes in, it was it was all backstory on Jermaine O'Neal, on I'll refer to him as Ron Artest because that was his name up at the time of this of Ron Artest of like Steven Jackson and just players um, for the Pacers, and I thought it did a good job. I mean, talking about their backstory, I thought it might have been a bit too much. But then they talk about Ben Wallace for a ah, split second. I mean, it's it's maybe 30 seconds, and, and Ben Wallace talks about, um, you know, losing his brother, but that's it. It doesn't show any photos, any videos. Really, it doesn't go any, any more in-depth. It just says, hey, I was struggling because I lost my brother. And then they kind of move on. Um, and so I, I did think it was a bit weird with, with Ben Wallace being, you know, 25% of – of the suspension. I I, I didn't think it was 25% of the representation. Um.
0: I I, I like it would have been nice to have even one more player for that Pistons team solely because I kind of go back to, uh, I forget who said it. Mm -hmm. It, One of one of the guys uh, makes the comment referring to when Ben Wallace was throwing the sweatbands that run our test, mm. he's like, well, the fans don't know that we're all friends. Jermaine, it was Jermaine. O'Neal. Yeah. It's Jermaine O'Neal. And so I'm just sitting there, I'm like, well, it would have been nice to maybe have one or two Pistons be like, yeah, we didn't have any issues with the Pacers. We had an issue with the, f-. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That just that other side to back that claim up, because I'm still kind of walking out of it like uh, there was nothing that tells me that the Pistons and Pacers were amicable. Uh, out out of the game you know what I mean yeah just that's kind of just one little plot hole maybe to it and I I don't doubt Jermaine O'Neal but from a storytelling aspect of this documentary that's something that would have been huge to include Mm -hmm.
2: I want to piggyback off that too I think like you you have Ben Wallace who is the one piston that is suspended who faces any sort of repercussion but I would like to hear from Rasheed Wallace even like Someone who who also went into the stands to to pull Ben out. Mm-hmm. It's like, do do we do we know that they're friends? Do we know that there mm-hmm. was like no bad blood and it was all just on the court, or did it did it spill over? Like, is Ben Wallace still frustrated? Like, was that as big of um you know for lack of a better word stain on the Pistons' legacy as it as it could have been for let's say Jermaine O'Neal or steven jackson or i mean you look at it like it is reggie miller's last season because of it Mm -hmm. so like you know like was it was it squashed or was it is it still a very like heated thing for those players at the time
1: yeah that's a good point And, and that's something they don't really touch on um specifically with like ben wallace is like how does he feel about it now like are they good and um, I think that's a great point, bringing up Rasheed Wallace specifically, because he is, I think, side-by-side side with Ron Artest at the time. Um, I'm trying to think if Latrell Sprewell was, was going on like at this exact same time in the league, but Rashid Wallace was the league hothead. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, he was the league hothead. And so when an altercation goes on, I mean, you know, he's the first person to get a technical – Foul right. in in every situation um you know he seemed to be in perspective i'd say a little bit calm in, in this but yeah he he does jump on that scorer's table and kind of like you know try and grab Ben mm-hmm. and and potentially de-escalate and um i think he would have been the one piston that i would have liked to to hear from but yeah yeah the uh the armband thing that you brought up, Joe, I thought that was super interesting. That was just something I didn't realize that was going on. Ben Wallace takes mm-hmm. off. He, famously, he has headbands. He has armbands. He takes yeah. he takes them off. He starts throwing them. And that, I mean, that might egg the fans on to say, hey, it's okay to throw some stuff. And that's just something yeah. I didn't even realize was going on and that the documentary kind of showed me. And I thought, wow, that's that's really interesting. Is there anything that this documentary kind of shed light on for you guys?
0: Um, so, just full to kind of put it in context, I was in the fifth grade when this happened. So, I really didn't remember about all the legal a- aftermath. Mm-hmm. I, I truly didn't. Um, because really after that happened, the Pacers were like blackballed <laughs> in indiana Mm. like yes it it was reggie miller's last season and yes you see all those shots at the end of like all the fans crying and whatnot but i mean you just that team was you didn't hear about them after it happened because parents were just trying to keep their kids away from it and so i never really knew about jermaine o'neal getting the appeal um or even about john green um the guy that threw the cup Mm -hmm. um so that was one eye-opening but two made the whole situation it just kind of relit anger Mm -hmm. for me yeah um and frustration so those were definitely the two biggest takeaways yeah uh, as far as like what what i didn't know or what what light was shed on the situation
1: steve what about you is there anything new that you kind of picked up on here um that you found was was a bit interesting
2: yeah i mean i think i think the same for joe like i was in elementary middle school when this happened like we all watched the game like i remember going to school the next day and just being like yo guys like did you see what happened like isn't that insane like you saw him like slip and punch that guy like that was crazy like i just remember the the like preteen angst inside of my body cared so much more about like the players that I loved, right? Like, mm-hmm. I had met Ron Artest a year before that. And it was it oh it seven? Was when it happened. Or, I met him in like, like oh four, oh five. I can't remember the year, but I was like, like I had a, I had a very like personal attachment to Ron Artest because he was so nice to me, and so I was like, yo, like that was crazy, like, you know, like I, I was more so like stoked that they were defending each other, like. Because in my head, like, that's what it was. Like, that's what they were doing. So.
0: Actually, no, <clears throat> oh, Sorry. No, gone. no,
2: no, you're good. Uh, so, like, when I hear them saying, like, that's what it was, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, that that shed the light on that. Where I was like, okay, so I wasn't crazy for thinking, like, they were defending each other as opposed to, like, they were just attacking fans. Um, Which, which I think a lot of people thought that's what it was, was they were just attacking bands because they were upset, right? Um, Yeah. So that, I mean, obviously, like, all of the backlash from it, like, I didn't know the appeal happened. I didn't know that that there was a conviction. Like, I didn't didn't know really, like, any of the the legal stuff had happened because, like, to Joe's point, like, my parents stopped caring about the Pacers. So, you know, whatever they watch – When I was so young, that's what I watched. So it was more of the Colts than it was the Pacers in my house at that point.
0: Yeah, that actually – that event, that is what pretty much turned Indianapolis into a football town at that point, Mm -hmm. Um, which is crazy to think about. Um, But you said something that I I wanted to bring up because you talked about going into school and talking about it that following Monday. Um, And this is for both of you because, Kyle, you grew up in Detroit, so this obviously affected all of our communities. Did your teachers like take a moment in any of your classes to be like let's talk about what happened? My my homeroom teacher in 5th grade like just like probably to start the day, she's like before, you know, before we do anything, does anybody want to share their thoughts on what happened on Friday night? Like it was a it was like a big deal in my school. Um I
1: don't I don't specifically remember it being addressed um I was, you know, same age as you guys, I'm 29, so um I I remember watching the game. I was living with my mom. Um I was watching the game live. It was going on. We thought, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy." I of course was like excited, loved it. Uh, <laughs> it's my favorite team of all time is is the 4 Pistons and um yeah. and then I don't know, there was kind of just like this this almost sense of pride which you see in the show. Right, you see in the documentary, he's like, the, the fans are like proud that they did it, right? Um, mm-hmm. you, uh, there's, there's no like remorse. You, you see it with John Green. John Green's just an ass in this. Like he's an ass. Like he, he is not remorseful. He's not. He, he, he doesn't feel he bad. He none doesn't of even it.
0: feel bad that another person got hit. Yeah, none of it I've, because of his actions. Quote: it.
1: I felt I relief. And that's and that's just how it was. Coward. it was just, it was just, hey, uh, you know, I know someone that knows the guy that did it, or my dad knows this person who was there, and he said that he hit this player, and you know, it was all about kind of who's who knew who that was, kind of connected to it, and and almost like this sense of pride. Uh, I went to a finals game at the palace five months before this event happened. The fans were crazy, but I would have never thought that they were crazy in a way where they were going to, you know, fight players, and, and players are going to fight them. Um, so I, I I definitely didn't expect that, but um, I, honestly, from Detroit, there was almost a sense of pride that, uh, that the fans were fighting the players, and um, there wasn't necessarily the shame. Yeah, I don't know if that's just kind of who Detroit is as a city or, or just kind of the fact that Detroit wasn't painted in as negative a way as the players were in Indiana, and I think that Indiana yeah. kind of took took it a little worse in Detroit, um, even though it was the fans in Detroit. So that was – yeah, long story short, um, John Green being an ass was kind of the biggest the – biggest, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest surprise for you yeah just yeah seeing him and again i remember people being proud but it's it's crazy to see someone just not be remorseful and you know it it's pretty rough but yeah. uh I, I thought i thought it was great when stephen jackson says if the brawl doesn't happen we'd be champions no doubt about it do you guys agree with that and, and if so what impact do you think that championship has on reggie miller's legacy
2: i'll I'll take this off I, I i agree i think i think that they were the best team going into that league like you like best team going into the league that season like you look at you look at that game like they're whooping detroit's ass mm-hmm. and they knew like hey like this is our season like we lost the eastern conference finals it's cool like, we'll come back next season, and then we'll whoop their ass again, and then we'll go to the the finals, and then, you know, if it's the Lakers, they already know what they're looking for. Right. So, it's, I think, I think that, yes, that team has the ability to win the championship, and, you know, Reggie Miller is, is one of the greatest players, in my opinion, to play the game of basketball. Bias, obviously, because I'm from Indiana, but... I mean, I, I don't think it hurts his legacy. Like, I don't think it hurt his legacy that he didn't get a ring. I think it only shines so much more of a light onto him.
0: I will open my statement with some <laughs> quotes from Reggie Miller. <laughs> of you guys don't understand how good we were. Dot, dot, dot. A little bit later, he says, It was frustrating. And that sums up how I feel. The O three oh four Pacers, let's just run through some stats. They were sixty-one and twenty-one, first in the East. They had the ninth ranked offense in the league. They were third in opponents' points per game. They were third in total defense, and they were third in net rating at plus six point five. Going into the game, Jermaine O'Neal was playing thirty-two minutes per game, twenty-three points per game, nine rebounds per game, two point six blocks per game. He gets suspended for twenty five, that later gets alleviated. Ron Artest was playing 41 minutes per game. I'm going to say that again. Ron Artest was playing 41 minutes per game, averaging 24.7 points per game, six rebounds per game, 1.7 steals per game, 3.3 assists per game. He gets suspended the rest of the season. Steven Jackson was playing 38 minutes per game, averaging 15 points per game, five rebounds per game, 1.4 1.4 steals per game and reggie miller was hurt he didn't play his first game of that season until december 4th but once he did play he provided 32 minutes per game or 14.8 uh, points per game the indiana pacers in 2004-2005 end up with a 44 and 38 record six in the east the 20th ranked offense but still fifth in opponents points per game they were still dogs on defense 11th in total defense 15th in net rating at point nine. That is because their entire starting roster is basically decimated because of this brawl. There's not a doubt in my mind the Indiana Pacers win the championship in 2004-2005 if the mouse at the Palace doesn't happen. It is still the biggest what-if of my sports fandom life. Watching this was so... I knew going in I was going to be upset. This just reiterated it. Um, there were legitimate points where I cheated up when they're like going through the building of the team. And yeah, it's like what Steve says, Reggie Miller gets a championship. That's what it boils down to. That's what it does for his legacy. It's not, he spent 18 years in one city in a small market to not win anything. It then turns into, he spent 18 years in a small market and got it done. Mm -hmm. That's it. It, it sucks. Um, and it doesn't even it doesn't just change the trajectory of Reggie Miller's career, it changes the trajectory of Jermaine O'Neal's career. Mm. Steven Jackson says it himself. Jermaine O'Neal was on the cusp of becoming one of the greatest players of all time. Now, maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but I think we definitely hold Jermaine O'Neal in much higher standard than than what his career ended up being. Because he ends up being the leader of a decimated roster
1: mm.
0: after the brawl. Because the Pacers clean house completely clean house after this happens. Um, and Jermaine O'Neal was the holdover until he gets traded away. Um, Yeah, it just it, – it really sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of th- – there's no other way to end it other than that. It just really sucks. And I'll just circle back to you. You guys don't understand how good we were.
1: I don't know if Jermaine O'Neill becomes an all-time player, but I do know – as a Detroit Pistons fan back then, we were going up against Jason Kidd in the Eastern Conference. We were going up against um, Shaq and Kobe in the finals the year before. And then we were going up against Tim Duncan in the Spurs. As a Pistons fan, there was no one I was more afraid, frustrated, non excited to go against than Jermaine O'Neal. And that is with every other person in the league at that time, with just a. St- stacked stacked amount of hall of famers in the league at that time and no one I wanted to see less than Jermaine O'Neal. And I specifically remember it. I specifically remember it. There was there was no one I wanted to play against in video games less than Jermaine <laughs> O'Neal. What was the uh the NBA Street Volume 2? You oh, remember yeah. that game?
0: He's insane. He's oh, yeah. he's a cheat insane. code in
1: that game. He's a cheat code. It's it's un it's unfair. He, uh, I hated Jermaine O'Neal. He was so frustrating for me as a Pistons fan.
2: Well, i I yeah. actually want to I actually want to add to that too. I I hated Ben Wallace. Yeah, I didn't know how good he was. Like mm-hmm. you, you, yeah. you know, going into a Pacers Pistons game, that Ben Wallace is literally going to like tear your team apart. And that's and I, I hated it. I hated it the greatest basketball, like defensive basketball player in that time.
0: Mm-hmm. He I mean, was to the, so to this good. Day, to this day, Kyle, as you've become friends with not only Steve and I, but a few other people in the Indianapolis area. What's the first thing they probably say to you whenever you mention you're a Pistons fan? The mouse. Yeah. The mouse. I mean, it's yeah. And it's, and <laughs> it's it's always the
1: conversation. this is how it seems to go right with the with the Pacers fan and correct me if I'm wrong here with the Pacers fan it's always yeah yeah but our players aren't afraid to to go into the fans you know go into the stands and whoop your ass and then and then as a Pistons fan we say yeah yeah well Detroit's so tough that we're not afraid to come on the court and square up against a player and so uh yeah but that toughness that's on the court when you see Jermaine O'Neal and, and Ron Artest, both guys that are Defensive Player of the Year candidates. Ron Artest has a couple trophies himself. Um, and Ben Wallace, you know, he's a, a multi-time Defensive Player of the Year. That toughness that they mm-hmm. have on the court, I think that both both cities kind of represent really well and uh, and kind of carry with them when talking about this Malice at the Palace conversation yeah. And it's just kind of, uh, kind of part of it.
2: Just but looking, then, yeah. looking at a stat for Ben Wallace, five time NBA All Defensive First Team, five years in a
1: row. It
0: was insane. Yeah, that's why he's going into the. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, the only person that has more Defensive Player of the Years than him is Hakeem Olajuwon. I mean that that's it. And I would say Hakeem yeah. Olajuwon is a top fifteen player yeah. of all time. And and Ben Wallace is undrafted. It's just a guy that just busted his ass. So. But I mean, Ron Artest I think was about just as good defensively. And, and after that season, Ron Artest he reco- he requests a trade out of Indiana. His teammates call it a coward move, and and Ron Artest even says himself that he felt like a coward after he just got done winning a title with the Lakers. Do you guys think Ron Artest had to request a trade after how bad this all looked
0: and went? You think it? it yeah, it's actually. I think if there's one thing I really detested about this uh, this this movie is that it does not go in about how the city of Indianapolis reacted to these players. Mm. Rod Artes needed to get out of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Like the Pacers blew the team up because the fans wanted nothing to do with this team.
2: Mm.
0: He could not stay. I, I and I hate that he feels like a coward because of it because in the long run, he did what was probably absolutely right for his mental well-being. the The city turned their back on these players. That's as simple as that. Yeah. Um. It became into if he brought up the Pacers, like, oh, they're just a bunch of thugs, good for nothing thugs, and we heard about we heard that a ton. Yeah. We heard the media backlash, but there was just no talk about how the city, yeah. you know, viewed these players after it all happened.
1: Yeah. Steve, what do you think? You think Rondas just had to go after this? I, I mean, I, I think I think that
2: the question is, how do you define "had"? Like from a team perspective, or like from a personal perspective. Like, I think either way, he's off that team.
0: Yeah, you
2: know, like I, whether the players wanted him there or not, I think he's a liability for the front office and he's a liability for the brand. Like. -hmm. Hell, I mean, he's a liability to himself if he stays on that team because, like Joe said, Indianapolis indianapolis isn't going to want to fucking have it. I'm sorry Mm -hmm. for cursing, but like that, that was the thing. It's like Ron Artest, you know, he was defending himself, yes, but people didn't see it that way. They saw it in bring whatever you want into this, but they saw him running into the stands. And attacking people, and like mm-hmm. I know how it was. You guys know how it was, but this is Indiana. Yeah, like
0: just to just to maybe give people context of, of how people turned on the Pacers. It is twenty twenty one. Okay, if I tell people I like the NBA, there is a still mm-hmm. a twenty five percent chance. I'm going to tell I'm going to have someone tell me. Oh, I don't watch the pros.
2: Yeah. And
0: when you ask them why, they bring up the brawl. Yep. And
2: mm-hmm. and, and
0: that's we are we are over 15 years removed. Mm-hmm. And people still still do not want to associate with the Pacers. Even though I mean Rick Carlisle is back now, um but up until last season, no player from that has been associated that's what's insane and so i I think
1: that's why stern had to move so quickly right within 48 hours mm -hmm. he had he had an answer for it it was really really harsh to get players out for you know for a whole season 25 games Mm -hmm. stuff like that it was really harsh but i think that he was doing it with you know with the fear of, hey, in 15 years, I don't want people to still have a bad image of the NBA. I want right. to try and save some face. I'm curious on what it looks like if this happens nowadays. How much does Adam Silver defend the players? I think that I think that he does defend the players, and I think that there's that there's we saw. a huge outlash against yeah. the fans. I and I, we I...
0: saw this postseason. We we saw this postseason the way arenas reacted to win. Um, Russell Westbrook had popcorn thrown at him mm-hmm. when Trey Young got spit at in the garden mm-hmm. when Kyrie Irving had a water bottle thrown at him. Right. The way that fans are now held accountable is a direct result of what happened.
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, in I think if this, if this happened, like if you, if you see a situation like this happen in, like you know, this next season twenty twenty one twenty twenty two. Like, I think Adam Silver handles it a bit more, uh, just a bit, a bit more. Like, okay, who's in the wrong before we start popping off, right? Yeah, and I
1: mean, it, probably in favor of the yeah. players, right? Like, yeah. a little also, more favor. Yeah, players, yeah. Favor- I mean, I
2: think he wants to protect his players because they are the league. He knows mm-hmm. that. Like,
0: yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I I think we know that, right?
1: Yeah. Josh, also, John, John Green's not the league.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. and also, also Adam Silver's not just relying on Sports Center camera or ESPN cameras or um, arena cameras because everybody's got a camera now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, everybody's got a camera. So it, yeah, uh, I, I definitely think the way Adam Silver protects players. I mean, like I said, we we saw how he does it. It's been very effective so far. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think uh I think all of it's different nowadays. I mean, even mm-hmm. run our test taking time off, like Rodman took off time yeah. before our test. And after our test, you've seen guys like Kyrie Irving take off time. And it's just yeah. Guys just handling their business and, and it's almost a non like it's still a story when, when Kyrie Irving takes time off, but there's a there's a really big narrative like when Kyrie takes off time, where people say, You know what? Let him take care of himself. It's okay to do yeah. it, and, and it's healthy to do it. So, um, I do think that if all of this happens in 2021, it's just a much, much different narrative. Um, yeah. So, I think I think it'd be be super interesting. Um, overall, what were your? Uh, who do we think were the biggest uh, biggest winners, biggest losers? Some some final takeaways. What are we uh, What are we gonna remember? <laughs>
0: I think, I mean, winners, probably very loose term here, feel like everybody lost. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I really do. Uh, but I think Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest, and Steven Jackson getting to have a platform to properly share their side, I think that is a big win because um, we did get a little bit more insight than we never heard before. Um, I agree. Yeah. Losers, again, I mean, there's a multitude. (laughs) Um, You could – I mean, probably maybe the biggest losers, Palace at Auburn Hill security staff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That was pretty eye-opening just hearing how poorly covered the arena was that night. Yeah. That also maybe plays a huge factor of preventing this from even happening. But – those are that would probably be my my biggest winners and my biggest losers because you could literally pick from anything. Yeah,
1: yeah. It doesn't feel like there are a ton of losers, but I, I agree that just having a platform to kind of speak your piece um, mm-hmm. is probably good for most people interviewed. What about you, I'd, Steve? I'd
2: say that when I mean when I look at this and I think of winners, like I don't think Ron Artest is a winner. I think he still feels a lot of guilt and shame and mm-hmm. um you know, all those feelings towards this. I think Jermaine O'Neal. I think Jermaine O'Neal deserved this. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. for having his career kind of just thrown away because of it. Um you know, I I always will think of him as a pacer and I will always love and respect him as a player, but this should like shine a lot of light onto that. The Biggest Loser, I don't remember the dude's name, but it's the guy that was on the court and, like, like stands up to run our test and got absolutely swung on. And then he's, this, like, this guy getting interviewed. Oh. <laughs> he's getting <laughs> interviewed. It's, like, man, it's 15 years ago, and you're still, like, you're still holding on to this sense of pride that you got whooped on national television. And you don't feel anything about it. I think he's a loser. And if I saw him, I would swing on him, too
1: yeah yeah again as a pistons fan that that was you know not there that night but but in those crowds those years i think that uh that pistons fans in this were were losers unfortunately or you know specifically uh a handful of a large handful of, of pistons fans uh on november 19th were were losers um I think that, and I forget his name, the uh, the guy on Indiana that says, you can go get your foul now. Um,
0: Jamal Tinsley. Jamal
1: Tinsley. Yeah, I think Jamal Tinsley's a rat. Because, um, you know, everyone wants to play, like, everyone wants to play, well, if we just, like, go all the way back, like, the root cause analysis, why did it happen, why did it happen, why did it happen, why it happen? People go, oh, well, you know, this happened because, you know, the fan threw something. It's like, well, let's keep going back, mm-hmm. keep going back, keep going back, and you know, if the fan didn't throw anything, does it happen? No. If Jamal Tinsley doesn't say you can go get your foul now, does it happen? Probably
2: it's, not. It's just the instigator. It's just, it's just the, it's, it's just, just the yeah. spark that that started the fuse. Yeah. Like,
0: if both coaches just clear their benches at the end of a blowout, this doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So very under, under, under talked about. Well, actually, it's kind of briefly mentioned. It's like why you still have your starters in. Yeah, with yeah. two and a half minutes. Ben, Wallace, minutes. ben Wallace mentioned that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, and you also say it's like Larry Brown. Why do you still have your starters in too? Like, right? That's, but uh, I agree. Um, I think I, I think both fan bases are losers. I do too. Pistons fans are shedding a poor light, and Pacers fans are just reminded of a championship that was taken from them. Yeah, or a potential, a potential championship, I should say.
1: Yeah, as as far as winners, Jermaine O'Neal to me is the clear is the clear winner, um, and so I I agree and kind of co-sign and everything y'all just said. But I think the other one is Reggie Miller. I think that Reggie Miller just it's another you know, it's a seventy minute documentary of Reggie Miller going, "Hey guys, just a friendly <laughs> reminder: would have had a championship in form for these idiots eighteen so, years." Yeah, just like just hey, don't forget. Not only am I one of and not only am I one of the best, like I would have had a championship if if my teammates didn't didn't act like idiots that night. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think that that's that's a that makes him a winner, just kind of a friendly reminder um that hey, I did my part. So, Unfortunately, yeah. he had, it was a, unfortunately it was a group project and he had some <laughs> some bad classmates. Yeah. So, yeah. That's uh that's I, a bummer. I think another I think
2: another big winner here is Stephen Jackson. You know, like yeah. He yeah. He he just he started the season going and just being like, "Those are my guys." Mm-hmm. And he left that brawl. "Those are my guys." I held it down. Like and he still he still feels the same way and it's just like i got to give it to him man like he went out swinging and he's
1: he's still with that same mindset hey listen yeah. i i i loved oh
0: go ahead Kyle sorry
1: i credit the pistons bad boys championships to that moment where isaiah thomas stood up for dennis rodman when dennis rodman was under media scrutiny and isaiah thomas goes out and sticks up for him Mm -hmm. And Dennis Rodman says, from that point, I knew he had my back and we were family. And from that on, that team just starts rolling and hits a totally new gear. And I think Steven Jackson had that same mindset. He said, we're in this together. I know what the name on the front of the jersey says. That's my brother right there. I know I haven't been teammates with him forever, but that's my brother. And there's something respectable about that for sure. There is.
0: Um, I think it actually really sheds and I really hope Pacers fans that watch this that have held Steven Jackson in a negative light because of all this see that Mm -hmm. see that his entire reaction was that is my brother and I am protecting him and Mm -hmm. I I think I I
2: think that shows what true team teamwork is like you you, you, (laughs) you know like we have teams that like it's so much of like, oh no, it's this person's team, it's this person's team. But at the end of the day, it is about that name on the front of the jersey. Yeah, it's yeah. not about your ego. It's not about what your name is. It's it's those are my guys, and I will fight and I will win. And yeah, I think the I think the Isaiah Thomas comparison is incredible. And it, it you know, I feel the same way about this I felt about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's a guy that's definitely in the trenches with you and and yep. that's that's the kind of guy that you want on your team. And I mean it shocks me not being from Indiana, but like it seems like that's the kind of guy that Indiana would would you know, would like a guy that is 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 there for his team and not about himself, but he is about his team and so uh yeah. Well, overall um it's been out for you know, 24 to 48 hours it has a 7.7 out of 10 rating on imdb doesn't have a rating yet on rotten tomatoes overall what'd you guys think if you were to rate it
0: um honestly i'd give it like a five five and here's why here's why i think i think this event is so big Mm -hmm. in nba history it really is and they spent almost half an hour of this thing building up the Pacers team. Yeah. If you're going to do that and go into that type of story building and just cuz of the magnitude of this event, I feel like this could have been like this could have been like a two or three part series. I actually think that would have benefited mm-hmm. this. I I feel like they tried to cram a lot into an hour and 9 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um So I that was kind of my thoughts like I think from the get-go, when you kind of brought up the point where you're like, it's 25 minutes in, and we're still talking about just the background of the Pacers team, and that's when I was kind of like, yeah, they're about to go through a whirlwind of stuff in like 45 minutes. So, yeah, I, I actually feel like it could have been – uh, I don't want to say drawn out, but I think it could have been like a one-to-two episode thing
1: yeah jermaine o'neal doesn't need to be in a high school jersey 25 minutes into a 70 minute <laughs> documentary about the malice absolutely it, like we need to get going you know what i mean in in a yeah, spider-man absolutely. movie you don't want to see uncle ben an hour and a half in let's get it going guys you know what i mean right. so yeah. that's that's kind of how i felt steve what about you out of 10 <gasps> um
2: so i i obviously come into these like basketball documentaries docu-series is like uh like i look at it i look at it more of like a directorial standpoint as opposed mm-hmm. to like a story standpoint sure. like we all mm-hmm. know the story right we all know the history to it um i think like if i'm watching it as someone who does not know a single thing about this like if i'm watching it as like you know a 14 year old kid like I'm i'm gonna learn a lot from it i think i'm giving it a seven yeah I'm giving it a seven just from, from, like, it was shot super well. Like, all of the cuts were really good. Like, the way that they the way that they did everything, I just thought was really well done from, like, a watching perspective. I mean, yeah, I would have liked it to be maybe two or three episodes. That's what I thought it was. I thought it was a series. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to do one episode about the Pacers, one episode about the Pistons, and we're going to do, like, one episode of the actual brawl itself and then do, like, an episode of the Aftermath. I think yeah. that would have been a much better like more concise way to watch it. That's how that's not how it, yeah, not it, was, how it happened, dude, but
0: man, even if it was like an hour and a half, hour 45, yeah, it would have been fine. Because then you can do 30 minutes on the Pacers, 30 mm-hmm. minutes on the Pistons, 30 minutes on the Brawl, 30 minutes on the Aftermath. Like you just it just felt like an hour and 9 minutes. It just that's a lot to pack into a little amount of time.
2: Mm-hmm. It felt like I could watch it on 30 for 30.
1: Yeah. I'ma give it I'm gonna give it an eight. Um didn't really say anything bad about Detroit Pistons players which you, you love. So honestly you love? that right there brings it to a ten. But then a couple Pistons fans get kind of cold clocked, so that kinda brings it down a few points. Um no, I, I honestly I I thought that the players that they did interview, it went great, but mm-hmm there is a lot of other people that would have been excellent to interview mm-hmm. for this and we just I mentioned agree. we just mentioned like Rashid you can get Larry Brown you can get Larry Bird you can get mm-hmm. Rick Carlisle so many yeah, people oh yeah but
0: yeah but i'd like
2: to hear Rick Carlisle's take on it
0: i mean if 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 donnie walsh is doing an interview for it that tells me that i mean they had the connects
1: yeah <laughs> oh so. Yeah, obviously you can't get, can't get, can't get Stern, you know, um, he's passed away, but like, you know, could you get Adam, like, I'm curious, what does Adam Silver think of it right now?
0: Like, what's
1: his take on it? I don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I, I thought who they had, it did go really well. It makes sense that it's Reggie Miller because again, he's, um, He's probably the biggest high profile star out of both of yeah. these teams, right? And yeah. and when all is said and done, he'll be highest on like the all-time list. And he's probably the best Hall of Famer out of all these players. And then the four people that got suspended, that was the main people. That makes sense. But mm-hmm. just a, a lot of a lot of other cool things you could have done with it. So for that reason, I give it a I give it an eight.
0: Another interesting thing that I would have liked to have seen from the interviews, Jim Gray was the only media member mm. interviewed. I would have loved to have seen someone from Detroit's media. And someone from Indianapolis's media commenting, like someone like Bob Kravitz from Indianapolis, or even Mitch Mark Album. The yeah, Mitch Album. Um just just somebody who was covering the team at the time. I yeah. I feel like that's a huge um bit of, you know, insight that this was also missing. Yeah.
2: I, so I also I would like want to touch on this too. Like it's a lot about mental health of Ron Artest. It
0: and is. like yes, where it he is.
2: was and like I would like to see like you know obviously it wasn't talked about at all in the media because no one cared about that stuff but like is that like is that another thing that like you know if if we were as like mentally like mental health focused as we are as a society now like is that something that happens and maybe his suspension is less and it's like oh we care more about like him getting therapy taking time away like like what? What is the what is the what is the backlash like? If it's like, what is his mental health? You know what I mean? Like where where is he at?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of players. Um, I think specifically Kevin Love. When when I think about like players that have come out about mental health, um, I think that a lot of players have been really brave. Wrote really good pieces. Um, you know, given really really good inside looks about you know about their mental health and kind of what that looks like them playing with uh with maybe not the most you know stable Mm -hmm. mindset at the time and and feeling comfortable reaching out and that's become a lot more normalized and accepted and supported which is awesome to see um of course and i think that another reason where if this happens again you know right now yeah i think that that's a huge part of the conversation and i just I agree. I just don't think that that was really part of the conversation. No, not at all. And, and that's it. I think it changes it if it yeah. is.
2: Yeah. I think the conversation is much different if that's brought into the light.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. Any uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode of Hoop Cinema?
0: No. Um, again, I just wish it was a little longer. Yeah. Um. Another just a little bit of pain. Mm. For Pacers fans, but overall, just glad that that the guys got their, got their spot yeah. to, to say their piece.
1: Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Hoop Cinema, presented by 48 Minutes Network. Appreciate you guys listening along. Make sure that you uh, subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, whether it be Apple Music, Spotify, or any of those. Uh, turn on some notifications, that way you get notified when we uh, when we post something. You can also find us on Twitter, at 48 Minutes Network, and we appreciate it. Make sure you tweet at us uh, how you guys are liking Summer League, what you guys thought of the documentary, if you guys liked it, disliked it, what you guys wanted to see, what you guys thought, and uh, yeah, just tweet us whatever's going on. We appreciate it, guys. You all have a great
0: week. Thanks for listening to Shot Callers. Make sure to subscribe to the 48 Minutes Network wherever you're listening to your podcast, and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter over at 48 Minutes Network. I'm gonna stop and give you all the love I got and show you.